Welcome to the Car Porn Podcast. I'm your host, David Beck. I love cars, especially anything fast or interesting. Car Porn is where I will be interviewing car experts and other car freaks like myself to talk about the cars they race, work on, own, love, and what dream car they wish they had. And this week, we are here with Joe Ippolito, the owner and founder of 2J Racing here in Cumming, Georgia, who specializes in Nissan. Good to be I, here, David. What drew you to develop and build parts for Nissan, specifically the Nissan Sentra? Um, I guess way, way, way back, I've, I've owned several uh, 91 through 94 B13s, uh, Sentras. Um, a couple of them we did do SR20 swaps, and this is back when, you know, I'm going to college, we're doing his swaps on like a dirt driveway. Oh, wow. You know, things like that. Um, and then uh, I switched over to RX-7s for a short time. And then uh, probably around 98, I got my hands on a 200SX SER. Um, still two liter, but, um, you know, they, obviously they changed the chassis fairly dramatically versus mm-hmm. the, the B13. Gone was the independent rear end. Now that Nissan moved to the, um, the semi-solid uh, trailing arm rear suspension. Um, with the Scott Russell link in it. And uh, initially, I mean, even today, it's still got some bad press because you obviously you've lost that adjustability that the, the B13 had. But um, as far as I know, after I got the car, a short time thereafter, I moved to Austin. And uh, I, was, I believe I was one of the first people to do a SR20 DET swap into a 200SX. With the help of you know back then um, a lot of folks in Austin, in the underground uh, street racing community, uh, we all got together and performed that swap. Actually, at a at a sewage treatment plant of my <laughs> my boss's husband was the manager there. But anyway, that's kind of besides the point. But um, so uh, there's a lot of history I think with the Sentra, and as time uh, progressed, I kind of moved away from it for a little bit and. Kind of got into different vehicles in the early 2000s. I was started racing the Evos. The Evo 8 landed in America in 2003, and I started racing that in, in Time Attack. And uh, like most people my age, I didn't have much money, so my daily driver was also my, my track car. Okay. And, uh, you know, I remember being out at the track, and uh, my girlfriend was there, and I was at Nashville Super Speedway. And um, I was probably running around the speedway at about 160, 165 miles an hour. Goodness gracious. In a car with no safety equipment, pretty much a helmet <laughs> and some gloves. So she, uh, she said if I wanted to continue this relationship with her, I need to, to sort of slow myself down. So, uh, and at that time, I was actually in an Evo 9. Um, I was looking actually on Craigslist and I found a... 2002 Sentra uh, Spec V. Uh, it was semi gutted, so semi prepared for the track. It had a roll bar in the back and some basic bolt-ons. This is we're going back to 2007. Um, so I sold the Evo and uh, to appease uh, my girlfriend, I bought the Sentra. That's hilarious. You actually went. But you went to the center because you needed something slower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. She asked me to, to, to slow down. So I did. And I was aware of some of the issues, obviously, that that car, or the stigma that that car had because 
the engine had changed um, dramatically. In fact, it went you know from a from a proven um, reliable SR twenty to a two yeah, point. That engine's legendary, right? In Nissan circles. Well, it's, it's very famous in Japan. Very famous in a lot of sports cars in Japan, and um, a really good aftermarket support for that car. I mean, again, I mean, I love the I love the SR twenty because. We used to swap so many of the, the DETs in the mm-hmm. early centras. Um, so anyway, we, I was there's some reservations when I bought the um, the B15 with the 2.5, and I was concerned. But uh, you know, I I've always been somebody that I like to be the the underdog. I like to kind of go to the track and not have the fastest or the prettiest or the most expensive. I like to kind of see what I can do against the cars that run above me. You know, just okay. uh, to me, that's more of a. Sa- I'm more satisfied when when I pit myself against you know against those types of, of cars. But anyway, so uh, started racing the car, and uh, I don't even know how many were on the track at that time. Very few, at least in the southeast. Um, and we started winning, and we started breaking track records. And for the hell of it, we went to the national championship for NASA, which was held in wow. Salt Lake City, Utah. So we, we dollied the car all the way out to Salt Lake City, um, raced the car. We destroyed the track record. We also beat almost every car that was ranked above us in the class above us. We smoked them. So we ended up winning a national championship on a B-15 with bolt-ons that nobody's ever seen before. Just bolt-ons? Just bolt-ons. On a QR? Yeah, on a QR. And, it, and the whole time, all I'm doing is just oil changes. I mean, the thing's staying together just fine. It's running off at, at SAFC, which is an inexpensive uh, fuel computer. Um, and then because we were so fast, in 2000, end of 2009, NASA actually rewrote the rules for the B-15 because <laughs> it was way too competitive. Um, you made people change rules. Yeah, right, because exactly. That's, I think that's incredible. Yeah, it's people didn't see the um, the benefits of the car. I think the chassis is is excellent, even though it carries over the same style of of rear beam that the B-14 does. Mm-hmm. Um, the car is longer, it's wider, it's more stable, and because the displacement is bumped up half a liter, I mean, you mm-hmm. have torque, instant torque. Versus the SR20, which really had to wind up to get to get uh, torque out of. I had a B15 SE2O. Right. And I had a B13 SER. Right. Like you did as well. Mm-hmm. And the B15 handled tons better. Right. Than the B13 did. Exactly. Wider, more stable. Mm-hmm. So that was, so I mean, we, I mean, everybody was surprised. I I couldn't believe it. People on the forums couldn't believe it. They you know they thought maybe we were cheating, but. Um, anyway, you did. You had a B fifteen. Apparently, that was cheating. They changed rules after that. Well, right. <laughs> and there's there was still a lot of folks. I mean, back then, a lot of B thirteens are still running around on the track, and they you know they still kind of look down at the B fifteen, which happens somewhat today. But anyway, so kind of fast forward to you know, and at the time, I'm you know I'm working in finance, and and um, so we started knowing that there's not a lot of aftermarket support that existed. And being in Atlanta, we started going around to machine shops asking them to make us just one-off little custom parts, suspension pieces, um, different components to get the car to get more track, to handle better, to pick up the grip, reduce some of the slip. Uh, we installed the panhard rod, got rid of the Scott Russell link in the back. Okay. Very simple things. 
um, made some pretty dramatic differences with the car. So these pieces were of your design? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we, we sat down and we kind of came up with an, an idea. It was myself and, and Justin came up with these ideas and um, just put them into motion. But again, it was really just for us to see what we could do with the car. Um, and then uh, it kind of, I remember sitting, watching the Super Bowl, which I was bored off my ass. <laughs> Usually and, that's how they go. Yeah, in uh, 2011. And uh, I don't know, we'd always, when we're going to the racetrack, we always talk about creating a company. But, yeah, I mean, obviously loopholes and hurdles and things you have to go through. And, you know, having a full-time job, it's it's not really the most, uh, the highest thing on your on your priority list. But anyway, so while I'm watching the game, I go to the Georgia Department of Revenue. I create an LLC. Uh, I log on to the um, federal government website, get my FEID number. And within a couple hours, uh 2J Racing was created. So basically, we have to thank a boring Super Bowl, possibly, for mm -hmm. this. <laughs> right. So you got your start basically from starting to race, doing very well, surprising people, and making parts to make your car better. Yeah, right. And then you figured, you know what, I'll start my own company and find people who need parts like I do. Yeah. The, our goal was to make enough money to pay for the weekend at, at the racetrack. So a typical weekend run you about 800 bucks. Okay. So if we could, and we race maybe once or twice a month. So if we could generate enough revenue to kind of cover some of those costs, you know, then it just makes it a little bit easier when you go out there mm -hmm. and you've got some extra spending money. You know, you're not so concerned about burning up a set of tires or something like that. You can actually push the car to its limits without worrying about what the budget is. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, so that was kind of what the goal was. And our first product was actually the most basic thing you could think of, which was a shifter bushing. And in the first month, we sold out of all of our inventory. And then the next month, we came out with the anti-lift kit, which is a little spacer that goes between the lower control arm and the, and the chassis and the K-member. Okay. Uh, that actually uh, provides uh, a little more grip out of, out of the corner, increases the, the dive properties of the car. But when you're rolling on the throttle, it, it provides more grip on the front tires. A very basic design. Now, how did you figure that out? Uh, do you um, have a uh, uh, background in engineering or? No, uh, an anti-lift kit is pretty common okay. with, amongst other chassis. I mean, you see it pretty much out okay. there. And, uh, you know, you can pick up any sort of suspension uh, book, which is what I did. And you can flip through it and kind of get the ideas. And then you just, you know, you go out and say, okay, well, let's try a 20 mil. Let's try a 15 okay. mil. Trial and error. 10, you know, 12, 10, 5, so on. So you kind of figure out what, what works best for the street and for the track. So that was the next part. And then it kind of just grew from there, excuse me, to kind of where we are today in 2015, where, you know, now we've got nearly 10,000 square feet of space. There's four, four lifts, an alignment rack, a dyno. You know what I mean? It's just, we cater to much more than, than the B15. We've got you know, Ford parts uh, that we have specifically for the Fiesta ST. That's a wicked little car. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, Ford Europe did a great job on that chassis. Same thing with, with, the, with the Focus. Even today, we had a Focus ST that we tuned. Stock turbo put down uh, 370 foot-pounds of torque at the wheels on a stock turbo on pump gas. Goodness gracious. Which just bolt on. So, I mean, it's, I mean, you can see that the, the climate's changing. We're getting into a lot of these smaller displacement turbocharged engines mm -hmm. it's kind of going back to the where things were maybe in the 90s where we saw these sr20s 
DETs and things like that, we're seeing kind of a, a focus on small displacement turbos. Okay, so you are you're at heart a car guy. You yeah. like a lot of different chassis, a lot of different things. You appreciate a lot of different things, but you focus mainly on Nissans, which is what you race. Yeah, I, and well, like well right. I mean, I think I think you know, being a, a car guy, I, I'm not sort of segregated into specifically Nissan. I'll go to a track and I appreciate. Corvettes, or I appreciate, you know, Integris, or I appreciate some of the other brands out there. This, you know, we were, when we ran Global Time Attack this year in May, we were up against uh, Acura Integra running a, uh, a Rotrex supercharger. Wow. Very basic looking car, but it, it was freaking fast as shit. So, I mean, yeah. you, you have to appreciate that somebody can take uh, an aging car like that you know, and make it capable. So again, it's it's not like um, I box myself in to, to mm -hmm. just the Nissan stuff. I think when we started with the B15, it was so good and mm -hmm. so underappreciated. I guess we knew that if we came up with a cup, just a few things, you can make that chassis even better. And you hit on something because the SER has a rabid following. Mm -hmm. Ever since the original ones came out, the Nissan fans have been loving all of them and wanting a car to be as beloved as the B13 was originally. Well, right. You're, the problem with the the B15 isn't the chassis, isn't the way it looks. I think it looks It looks incredible. great. It looks sort of like, a, from the front, the earlier versions, like a, like a Japanese sedan. I mean, it's got sort of a, a GTR style front end. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest problem was, really, they reduced... The rev limiter, and and I granted it's it's two point five liters, so it's it's a much bigger bore, much longer stroke, a hundred millimeter stroke versus a square motor eighty six over eighty six for the SR twenty. But um, once they dropped it down, once it had this long stroke, large bore, um, a lot of people had some inherent problems with that engine originally, trying to push it like they they would push the SR twenty, and it just out of the box, it just can't take it. And again. Nissan had problems, they had cat problems, they had ring problems, they had problems with the motors catching on fire. All those eventually were addressed, mm -hmm. but um, I think once you sort of have that stigma placed on you, especially if you're coming out of an SR20, you really don't want to have anything to do with an engine like that because you can't rev it, you can't spin it up, <laughs> and it's not going to make the horsepower that an SR20 makes. That's what it's, got me. When I had my 94, I was looking for another car, and I loved the SR. And But the SER was coming out. And as I read up on the QR engine, a lot of people talked about, like you said, the pre-cat failure. The throttle plate screws had an issue at some point. Butterflies. They, right. Butterfly screws. And then they had the balance shafts a lot of people didn't seem to care for, mm -hmm. that they seemed to take out of those. Now, being it had a lot of those early issues, what made you see the QR as a performance engine? What are its what are its strengths? Well, like with any engine, whether it's a Honda or it's a Nissan or it's a Chevy, um, it's going to have its limitations. And I think once you understand what those limitations are, then you can come out with uh, either parts to fix those limitations, or it just becomes part of your um, preventive maintenance uh, schedule. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, once you understand the three or four issues that remain or exist within that engine and you, you compensate for that, then 
um, you're left with a really extremely well put together motor. I mean, the QR20s, it is, I'm sorry, the QR25s is inherently a very strong engine. Um, I've the, heard it's got a very strong bottom end. Right. It's cradled. The crank is cradled. Mm -hmm. That's right. Exactly. Full eight counterweight crank. Right. And the head flows really well. Mm -hmm. It does. On that engine. So you can take a QR25, you can bolt on a turbo, and you can run eight pounds of boost, which is next to nothing. Yeah. And instantly it'll put down 300 horsepower and 300 foot-pounds of torque at the wheels. So we're talking about going from potentially 175 uh, crank horsepower to about 340 crank horsepower. With, Just a turbo. With eight pounds of boost. It's extremely easy. And again, once you start getting up to around 350-ish in that point, the rods are fragile, which I would expect, things like that. I mean, you would obviously want to build the engine to make it stronger, but if you want a good daily driver, very fast, 300 horsepower car, six to eight pounds of boost, you're at a 300 horsepower uh, engine. And it, I, there's no way that you can compare that to uh, um, like a Honda or anything like that. It just mm -hmm. it doesn't exist, you know what I mean? So you basically get a 300 horsepower also in a very stable, capable chassis already right. there. So you have the perfect... Exactly. Like a little sleeper car on the road. Yep, that's basically. exactly right. And the center fan base is very, fairly said, very dedicated. And now the B15s become beloved. A lot of guys love that in the Nissan world. It, well, exactly. The because with these, these, as Nissan progresses, their cars sort of, whatever their, um, how do you say it, whatever their halo car is, like the Maximus, yep. and then they try to carry that shape down to the Altima, to mm -hmm. the center, and so on. This the B16 2007 to 2012 Sentra yeah. resembles sort of like a Maxima. I think that's what, yeah. their, what their plan is. Which I actually have a B16 now. Now you just got done tuning that. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first came out, I didn't like the looks of it. I thought it was kind of hideous the way the, the character line, the, the belt line from the back to the front, and it stops right at the front door, mm -hmm. and it doesn't carry onto the front fender. Never liked that. Not of that own one. And I love it. I love the way it looks. I love the way it handles. I love the engine. They did a lot of beefing up on that engine. Right. And they changed the rods. They The crank stayed the same pretty much as far as... No, actually in the spec V, it's a fully counterweighted crank. Fully counterweighted crank on that. Mm. So, wow. Right. That's, that's pretty good. And they beefed up just about everything. Mm -hmm. And they even raised the rev limiter mm -hmm. on a compression ratio. Is that the same or is that No, it's up? higher. It's, it's higher? It's, uh, it's one point higher. 10.5. Okay. So, I, I love the car. I think it's fantastic. Now, when you go on the form board, stuff like this, there seems to be, the question is, B15 or B16? Um, and it seems, a lot of people can't seem to agree on it sometimes. Well, there's really two factors. The You can get a B15 for under three grand right now. And there's, mm -hmm. obviously, there's good aftermarket support with us and with other companies. Yes. Very cheaply, you can modify that car. Uh, B16s, your average spec V is still going to run you about eight to 9,000. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And um, there's not a lot of parts out there yet for that car. What, what we've kind of found is as the price degrades to less than 5000 for the for the price of the vehicle, then um, people have more, um, how would you say it? They have more money to spend on hopping up their car, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think you're going to see a lot of 
activity with the B-16s until the price starts to get down between six. To where people can afford the mods they want to put on. Right, exactly. I paid a pretty good sum for mine. It only had 46,000 miles on it when I got it. Right. I've never modded a car like I've done with this one. Mm -hmm. uh, namely, you're to thank for that. Because uh, <laughs> I actually called you before I bought my B-16 to ask about the QR because I didn't know anything about it. And I knew the issues from the early that. edition. Don't yeah, you don't remember that? that? Yeah, it was very no. quick. Uh, I had called you because I'd, I'd seen you on the forum boards. I'm like, well, let me call him. He builds the QR. Let me see what he thinks. And you said, oh, the B16 motor is fantastic. Yeah, it's, went, it's a giant improvement. And that's the main reason I bought the car because I was worried about the issues that it had in the past. Mm -hmm. and so, And I drive 50,000 miles a year. My last car went 500,000 miles. So I need a reliable car. And you're one of the main reasons I bought it. And then I came in to say hello, since I was so thankful that you actually took the time to do that. I came in to buy a shift knob mm -hmm. <laughs> last year. I remember. And I went, hey. Uh, it was July 17th. July, wow, that's a good memory. And I went, you know what? Throw me a crazy deal on a uh, dyno tune. It made a lot, of more a lot more power than it did. I have your pulley. I got that first. Actually, I got the pulley first from you. Mm -hmm. You mailed that to me. I had that installed. Mm -hmm. Then I came in for the shift knob. And then I got the tune. And this year, I came back through, and I was like, you know what? It was uh, doing a little bit of pinging. I put an intake on it after the fact, which I called you before I bought that. Mm -hmm. to, and you've always answered the phone and answered my questions without a hitch, mm -hmm. which the customer service me is very important to me. Thank you. Once, you do, once that is done, I'm a customer for life mm -hmm. because that is what I look for. And so I bought the intake, and then I come back, and it needed a little readjusting. You did that two weeks ago. And then I come back today. Uh, to pick up some springs, because <laughs> you taught me into that too. Uh, <laughs> That's what we do. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm replacing the struts and the shocks. And you're like, well, if you're doing that, you might as well lower the car. It'll give you a, a lower stance, look better, and increase your handling, which I'm always a fan of. And you, the kicker was you had better gas mileage. Slightly, yes. Because right. it's lower. Mm -hmm. And not as much air travels under the vehicle, mm -hmm. increasing the gas mileage. So, and then you went, you know what? Let's go ahead and uh, put it on the dyno and recheck it. We found out that the intake changed a lot of parameters mm -hmm. on it. It did, yeah, it absolutely. Quite a bit. That's why it was doing. The, it was pinging a little bit because mm -hmm. the intake that I changed after your original tune, mm -hmm. and you found out. And so I'll let you say the numbers on that. What it came to today. Uh, right. So you only have a short rim intake, a pulley, and the, our tune, and we're at one ninety wheel horsepower. So that's, that's somewhere around, I don't know, 220 ish, I suppose, uh, crank horsepower with a very simple. With tune, pulley, and mm -hmm. intake. I couldn't thank you enough for that. And the car's got 153,000 miles on it already. Mm -hmm. I've already done 50,000 miles since the last time I came here. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah. And you also, since as much, as much driving as I do, my car is more of a daily driver, mm -hmm. a long distance driver, highway car. Right. More often. I don't race the car. I right. had so a we, couple things on the highway here and there, but never, I haven't drag raced the car yet mm -hmm. or any of that, as far as on the strip anyway. I haven't done that, but you tuned it based on my driving style right. to keep like it mild. Right. We've now, this is going into our, our, our fifth year of being in business and fifth year of actually tuning. Um, we have literally hundreds of uh, QR25s that we've, uh, tune on the dyno street tunes mm -hmm. um, that I have uh, information for. So once you come to me, you I, you know you tell me your mods, what you've done with the car, what your driving style is. I can custom tailor a tune and be about ninety nine percent accurate to what you want. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, like you said, you you do a lot of driving. So now you're up to 37 MPGs on the highway. Yeah, with, that's with, what I got on the way here. As soon as I posted, you posted that picture of my results. Mm-hmm. You had two or three people already asking you, can you do my car? Uh, right. And exactly. I would recommend anyone that drives a Nissan to come here and check you out, check your prices, and check your I service. That. Right. And get detuned from you because, again, I picked up so many miles per gallon. My biggest so far for an, a full tank extended was from Indianapolis, Indiana to Covington, Virginia, which is 451 miles. I did it in one tank, 35.6 average. That was not in the mile per gallon map. Mm-hmm. That was in the street map. I'm not surprised. The regular. And that's good for a car with 220 horsepower and right. to over 200 pound-feet of torque. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, impressive. That's, most cars can't get that nowhere near that horsepower, mm-hmm. you know, coming from the factory. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, because I've had a lot of people go, dude, there's no way you got that many miles. You must have reset that computer. No, mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I keep my computer zeroed out when I start the tank and I end the tank. I never change it mm-hmm. unless, I ha- unless I'm changing maps and I want to see what it's doing in that different map. Right. I've never actually tested the about the performance map because there's no need. Because <laughs> I'm I'm going to be hitting it pretty hard if I'm in that one. Now, what's new at Two J? Um, we've uh, we're pretty much wrapping up, I guess, the um, internal components and the and the bolt-ons for the for the B15 chassis. Okay. Uh, our street header's about done. We've wrapped up our camshafts. We already have long rod, short pistons. Um, we're, we have, uh, to date, we have several high comp QR25s running around that uh, on pump gas make somewhere between 245, 250 wheel horsepower. Wow. On pump gas on a QR25, um, which I think is close to the limit of that engine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you can't spin it as fast as you can spin some of the Hondas. It's just not designed that way, mm-hmm. not with the rod to stroke ratio as it is, which, um, even when we Im- improve it with short pistons, long rods, we're still seven millimeter longer rods. We're still somewhere in about a 1.49, 1.50 rod to stroke ratio, which is the Hondas are much higher, 1.54, 1.55. Which, so, and that leads to higher piston speeds. Right, higher piston speeds and things like that. So we 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 could, you know, we could push the limits and see what we could do, but it's really it's kind of pointless. Um, so I'm kind of happy with with where we are there. Uh, our next and our probably our final big push for the B15 will be a very simple low cost turbo kit with minimal piping that uh, allow anybody to put down about 230 240 wheel horsepower wow on a b15 a simple weekend install um everything comes in the box i'm glad i don't so, have a b15 because i'd then be tempted well eventually <laughs> you know like i said once once we finish up with you know the, these last few pieces then we move and with my personal car is is a is a 2010 uh b16 spec v then we'll move into that chassis. I think then the price point will start to dip to about six, five to six thousand. People have more discretionary income to spend mm-hmm. on uh, modifying their car, I and am, then you'll see. That's when we'll be getting pretty, you know, much deeper in, in, into that chassis. I'm looking forward to the uh, B16 stuff myself because, like I mm-hmm. said, you just got one. Uh, I've yeah. already actually upgraded my car thanks to your B16 mm-hmm. because I got the wheels off of yours. <laughs> you did. 
<laughs> but we've got we've designed uh, um, special hush power exhaust, uh, extremely quiet that make way more power than what we what we've had before. Uh, we have two header designs that we're working on. Oh, that's fantastic! See, mm -hmm. that's yeah, the exhaust and headers were going to get me again. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we'll carry forward some of the components from that low cost turbo kit to the to the B sixteen as well. What is the what's the possible power available to just bolt ons for the B sixteen? Um, going into, I mean, if cams, header, exhaust, intake. Uh, and a tune. Um, we've finished one car that was putting out somewhere close to about 220 wheel horsepower. That's and, incredible. And, uh, it, was, it was not on our dyno. We okay. do have the dyno sheet, but again, it's again every dyno reads a little, a little bit differently. Realistically, I'd say with bolt-ons, probably about 210, 215. Is That's what really I good think. wheel horsepower for an A motor. Hmm? Yeah, it is ab absolutely. And there's there's. There's a lot of French Renault influence in the B16. A lot of things that I just think are kind of a little bit wacky. Most of that is in some of the chassis designs, some of the the bracketry, the mounts. It's just you can yeah. just kind of tell it's it's there's a, a different influence. Things I haven't seen before from Nissan kind of show up yeah. in the, in the B16. It's it's not bad. I think uh, with the engine, the things that needed to be fixed, they fixed outstanding platinum, amazing uh, fully counterweighted crankshaft, uh, a little bit higher compression, slightly better flowing head. Um, all those things contribute to a bone stock B16 with a tune putting out, you know, high 180 wheel horsepower with a tune. Where with a B15, you need a lot of hard parts to get that done. Wow. You know what I mean? So typically... Uh, bone stock B15 uh, tuned is in the 160 range. So it already has about a 20 to 25 horsepower at the wheel improvement versus a, a, a B15. That's really good. And but now, it's heavier. Yeah, it is. It's, it's yeah, heavier, it's, it's a heavier and car. It's, its proportions are slightly different than the B15. The B15 still has that classic look to it. My so, wife calls it the bulbous car. Right. The way it's like, so big like, up front. Like, and, like a cloud. But we, yeah. we now have knife-edged, fully counterweighted crankshafts for the B15 for under 500 bucks. Knife um, edge, which means trims out the uh, the, weights, the weights, so it goes to the oil faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually about six pounds lighter than a, than a B16 crank. So less inertia, mm -hmm. rotating mass, makes yep. the motor spin up faster. Mm -hmm. We you finished our 10-pound uh, Forge Chrome Ollie flywheel for the B15. We're going to be doing that for the B16 as well, too. That'll be... Uh, Probably in the next week, I think we'll post that ten-pound flywheel. So with the so. with you do a pulley, a flywheel, and that knife edge crank, you're going to be losing close to fifteen pounds off the. Uh... Um, actually, uh, yeah, probably it's, I'd say about fifteen pounds off of the rotating assembly itself. That's quite a bit. Yeah, yep. The crank pulley is four pounds. Uh, the flywheel itself, if we run our ten-pound flywheel. Um, I gotta think of it off the top of my head. I think somewhere around eight to ten pounds there, so that's fifteen. And then the crankshaft is probably another six. So you're looking at maybe twenty, almost about twenty. Yeah. Wow, that's mm -hmm. a lot of rotational mass gone. It is. It, so, it is. Exactly so exciting so. stuff coming for the B16, which will make a lot of people happy mm -hmm. on the in the forum boards for Nissan. I agree. And now they're up to the B17, 
They are. Which are, have mm-hmm. you worked on anything with that? No, we haven't. Uh, we don't have any here that we have been exposed to. I think okay. um, we'll just kind of, as we've, as we progress through the B-16, we'll, we'll look at that chassis. Well, right now it hasn't been made a performance vehicle yet. Right. Like the SER spec Vs for the B-15, B-16. Mm-hmm. They're working on it with the Nismo B-17. Right. Which they keep teasing us with. Yeah, the 1.8 liter turbo. Yeah, the MR20. 18. MR18, yeah, MR18 DDT. DDT. Yeah, exactly. That'd be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm. That's rumored 240 horsepower. Yeah, that's that's certainly yeah. possible. Uh, considering what the what the Juke makes on a 1.6, yeah, certainly possible. Well, thank you very much for uh, being here mm-hmm. on the podcast with me. I do appreciate you're, it. Um, you're welcome. Nice talking with you about cars. Mm-hmm. I can geek out all day here. Been here for, for a few hours already, <laughs> uh, enjoying watching you tune my car. Sure. Uh, before I go, I do have to know. I wanted to ask this of every guest I have on here. What is your favorite car of all time? What's your dream car? Um, dream car is easy because it changes every year. As technology progresses, um, my idea of a dream car progresses as well, too. Um, and I think that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, you know, sure, I, there are cars that I'd love to drive that were developed years ago, the McLaren F1, things like that. However, that I mean, that car by today's standards, I think is still merely just adequate. Like with yep. Ferrari, Ferrari has their 488 GTB. Went down displacement, added turbochargers. It's a dramatically different car. Zero to 125 miles an hour in 8.6 seconds. Good it's, Lord. It's unbelievable. And it, like, again, it's just, it's a progression for Ferrari. Um, and I think, you know, as time, and, it, and it's not like I love Ferraris. I just think, for the money, um, you know, I think that would be my dream car right now. And next year it may change. Maybe a McLaren. It may be, uh, who knows? Maybe something from Nissan. I'm not sure. That'd but, be nice. Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah. And what was the other part of the question? Favorite car of all time? Uh, actually, it, it's going to surprise a lot of people, I think. But um, uh, being an instructor... Uh, with NASA, I, I teach a lot of students how to drive, and I get to drive a lot of really nice cars. Um, you know, GT3, 4.0 RSs, I mean, a lot of rare vehicles I've driven. But, again, I'm, I'm always for the underdog, and my favorite car of all time, which is unusual, is the 2014 Camaro Z28. Seven liter, 427, the Multimatic shocks, the carbon ceramic brakes, just everything they did with that chassis. I mean, runs, I don't know, seven minute, 30 something seconds around the Nuremberg That car's a to, monster. To take a car like the Camaro, which when it came out, that chassis came out, version five, it's just, it wasn't a great car. And simple tweaks to the suspension made it, is dramatically different, and I've had the opportunity to drive a Z28 many times. Okay, I'm jealous now. Yeah, it's it really is my absolute favorite car because it reminds me a lot of the B15. Came out kind of weird, you know. Nobody really knew what it could do. It didn't really have, you know, people really didn't think that much about it. I mean, obviously Camaro. There's a lot of support for Camaros, but still, they were getting killed by Mustang. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it when the version five came out. But the Z28, hands down, the best 
to date the best pony car. And I'm not talking about a one-off car. I'm talking about a production in the showroom, drive it off, hit the racetrack, and just decimate everybody with seven liters of That's a nice favorite car. And that'll be interesting to see what the Camaro does when the GT350 hits. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. But I do like the Camaro. And the new Camaro's coming out, too. It's going to be lighter. Right. Yeah, the new Camaro is is lighter. So that... but I, you know, like I said, it's I've always I, I always prefer to be in a car that's not considered to be the 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 best on the track, and then run with people, run with Corvettes, you know, outrun Corvettes, outrun different vehicles that should be faster than my car, and I'm that's with, what's more satisfying. I am with you on that because I mention in my shows uh, that I drive a Sentra. I don't say which type, and you can hear the laughter. Oh, yeah. Coming we, we used to get that all the time. Whenever and we'd show up at the track, we'd back it off the trailer. <laughs> they, before people knew who we were, they would be like, this is a joke. Yeah. And I then, love that. Right. I love that. Right. I've always liked a sleeper anyway. That's of my course. favorite thing is mm-hmm. any kind of sleeper. I like anything fast and interesting, and sleepers are always interesting. Mm-hmm. Joe, thank you very much for your time. That was my pleasure. Uh, I do appreciate it. I will... Uh, Hopefully talk to you again very soon. Sure. And hopefully not come by your shop and buy anything in a while. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> come by anytime you want. I think I said one time, I said, uh, I need to get away from you as fast as possible. And you go, well, we can make your car as fast as possible. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's exactly what you've done. Uh, thank you very much. Pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Car Porn Podcast. I've been your host, David Beck. Please stay tuned for future episodes. But before I go, I'll leave you with the sounds of Joe Ippolito tuning my 2008 Sentra SAR Spec V on the Dino Jet at 2J Racing.